Hey, this is Ken Forey, and you're listening to Forgotten Flicks. Tune in to ForgottenFlicks.com. Get your horror news, baby. It's for you. Ken Forey and out. Welcome to the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. Poltergeist 1982. And now, your hosts, Jason and Joel. That is is correct. This is the second episode in the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. I am Joel, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the Jason-Oni-Oni-On, Jason. Welcome to Spooky Flicks Fest. (laughs) Which makes your headphones fall off your head. Don't do that. (laughs) Although we're not doing any Dracula vampire movies this year so we're not uh, yeah what the hell did i watch i i thought we were watching dracula dead and loving it that's we weren't or blackula we're not watching blackula no um uh, i was, was the one that um uh the one with jim carrey oh once bitten once bitten we actually we had a no. request we've had i think multiple requests for that one sorry we won't be getting to that one in time Oh, damn. I know, I know. <laughs> How are you, my fine-feathered friend? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I Back-to-back movies where um, these are, are huge movies in my, my life and or childhood. Um, ones that played a, a big role in my movie-loving uh, life as well as my sleepless nights as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As Jaws kept me out of the water. Uh, as a child, this uh, this movie kept me uh, awake a lot and hating clowns. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie probably ruined most people for, uh, against clowns. However, I will say, so you want to just get this out of the way now? You pretty much are just going to let everybody know you hated it? Oh, no, I'm not saying what I think of it now. Oh, I'm just okay. saying okay. that we covered it, uh, we're covering it, and this had an impact on me as a child. This is something I watched, um, gosh, I was probably 10 mm-hmm. when I watched it for the first time, maybe 11, and... Uh, yeah, it scared the Christ out of me. It was yeah. This was <laughs> yeah. It, it, it yeah. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Let's, let's this not... is one of the few movies. There's a handful of movies as a child, uh, and I'm, I think I mentioned this last week. There's a handful of movies I remember around this age range. Let's call it ten to thirteen that I remember scaring the bejesus out of me. This is one. The thing uh, that scene from um, Twilight Zone, the on the wing, the death, or terror at forty thousand feet, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the yeah. airplane and, and gremlin this, one. yes yes where that funky looking thing was out there but anyway so this is one of those movies in that same time frame um i don't know if it was a stent my dad was going through he's watching scary movies because i don't remember him watching much Mm -hmm. after that uh maybe it was my mom saying to him please stop letting the kids watch movies with you yeah (laughs) but um there was a time period i remember very distinctly we watched these kind of movies and uh this is one of them that i stayed up at night after having watched Mm -hmm. because what year was this this was 1982 yes sir the same year that gave us et and the thing and beast was beastmaster 82 i always i always forget beastmaster is 82 83 i think it was 82 i don't remember i don't remember the years quite as well yeah star trek 2 tron Mm. not as scary though not quite as scary tron has its moments (laughs) Would you oh, would man. you like to hear the relatively lengthy trailer? I 
attempted, I was going to cut down scenes that were just sound effectsy. However, I will tell you that it seems like in most of those within the trailer anyway, that's where they would overlay Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah. And her voiceover bit. So, oh, and I did yeah, find I it, hear the whole thing. Okay. When I, oh, I actually just will say this up front. I had found a trailer that was a, listed as a teaser trailer and it was very odd. I don't know if you saw it. And I remember seeing it a long time ago, but I had completely forgotten about it. And it, only shows stills of the Freeling family, like little still photos. And it cuts in between these different, you know, quote unquote, professor slash scientist types. And because at the bottom, it'll say their name, like, you know, a, a psychology professor at UNC or whatever. And, and they're, it's almost like oh. a documentary. And they're all talking about this odd situation that happened and the phenomena of poltergeist and what it might actually be. It was very odd. It's almost like a micro documentary because it's only two and a half minutes long. I contemplated playing that, but it really has nothing to do with the movie. Is it, but is it genuine from the time period or is it one that someone made no no this is no no this is from the time period yeah and i think it's what they must have put out when they were still in either probably post-production of the movie they had shot it because there's a lot of stills but there weren't any wasn't any footage of the movie clips Mm -hmm. gotcha wow and that's interesting because that's the that would be the only time because the movie has no third party intervention at all of this like um there's no awareness outside of being right at the house. Mm-hmm, and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a minute, but mm-hmm. that adds a whole different dimension to the movie. That's not there now, which is interesting. True. True. Yes. So anyway, hit the trailer, the original trailer and before you start it. Um, I have watched this one, uh, before we recorded. And this is one of those that, um, I forget which one we did recently. It wasn't jaws, but another one, this is a classic movie trailer in yes. the sense that this is what I feel like trailers were like when I was a kid, the announcer, the voice, uh-huh. the, this is this is a typical movie trailer from from my youth and the ones I remember most fondly. So, oh, that was it. <laughs> For some reason, you you started the story and I was like, eh. no, no, I just remember it very fine. It's just the style. I Got think it. this style sticks with me, and this is what I remember as a classic trailer, like a um, something that I um, would associate with this time period it's not just that it comes from them but the the style of the trailer which I know what is you mean. different now yeah different i know what now. you mean i know you mean in other words they didn't give away the entire freaking movie was that the uh yes okay <laughs> all right well on that note i will hit the trailer and then we will slip into uh the synopses the house looks just like the one next to it and the one next to that and the one next to that a young couple live in it give ken a kiss you are so unlucky. With their three children. <laughs> and something more. Something's funny going on here next door. Something, uh... We were wondering if maybe you had experienced any disturbances lately. What kind of disturbances? I don't know what happens over this house. I've never sensed anything like it. That thing is in there with my bed! 
hundreds. Now Steven Spielberg crosses a frightening new threshold into a world within our own. Its form is revealed. What is it? Its focus is clear. It knows what scares you. Stop! Before you continue, you should be made aware that even though this movie is over 30 years... 2014... 24... 1994, 1980, wait, 40, okay. Even though this movie is over 30 years old, if you've not seen it yet, these two are going to spoil the dickens out of it. You have been warned! I know the bloody hell says dickens nowadays. I'll tell you who. JV, that's who. <laughs> and is it me or every time I heard the part in the trailer where they said, have you noticed a disturbance? What kind of disturbance? I, I was waiting for Craig T. Nelson to say in, in the force. I know. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> so Jason, would you like to synopsisify this particular motion picture? Sure. Why not? So uh, this is the story of one family, uh, the Sweeney family. Is that correct? Uh, uh, the uh, Freely Freeling family, the the Frizzy family, something like that. Weenie family, something. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so this is the story of the family that lives in this house. Uh, it is Craig T. Nelson plays the dad. Um, he's Stephen. Um, Joe Beth William plays. Um, Diane, who is the mom, and um, Carol Ann is the daughter, which everyone knows. She's the little blonde girl played by Heather O'Rourke. Uh, and then, of course, Robbie, played by Oliver Robbins. And then there is also um, a little bit of an appearance, but she's still part of the family with uh, Dana, their oldest, um, played by Dominique Dunn. And they are living in this typical suburban area. Area that is just row house after row house, and uh, um, Steve is a salesman for the subdivision, and they start to notice odd things happening in their house. First, it's little things like um, the spoon and fork bending and table or chairs sliding across the floor, but it quickly escalates into more, which, slight spoiler, at one point, Carol Ann is actually taken by whatever entity or presence is in the house, and she is taken into the other world. Um, the second half of the movie, well, the second third of the movie, because I'd say this really in three parts, um, they try and figure out what's going on. And uh, 
get her back. Um, so I'll leave it at that because I want to talk about some of the other stuff that happens. But it, it's basically this very contained story in this one house of this one family with this one entity and presence and whatever is making all this bad stuff happen in their house. Sound fair? I think that sounds beyond fair. Okay. I uh, think- and I, I, I almost choked on my water uh, in the spoiler when JB said it's over 30 years old. I'm like, no, son. 82, 92. Holy crap. Yep. <laughs> it's 32 years in old. In JV's defense, I think he originally uh, did that spoiler alert for Jaws, which I retrofitted it because, as you remember in that episode, I made the comment either thank you, JV, or thank you to my future self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I, but I, it occurred to me, I, well, I could just use it again because technically. It's <laughs> this movie's over 32 years old. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. This is, uh, yep. Um, yep. So it's an older movie, mm-hmm. uh, not old, older, uh, oldish, the middle aged. It's in its prime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's prime. It's prime. Yeah. It's not so even anyway, middle aged. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, uh, bets are, and I, I think it'd be an interesting, uh, anthropological study to see how many Americans could identify the the best known scene of this movie. Uh, even if they haven't seen the film is my bet that the vast majority of people, even younger folks would recognize that scene where Carol Ann is um, sitting down on the floor up against the TV. And she says, they're here. here." That one. Yes. You like my voice in that? That's pretty good. Yeah. Do do it one more time, Jason. Ready? Get ready. Ready? Dude, that's uncanny. I do five-year-old little girl voices very well. Well, what's really creepy is how, I don't know, it must be like a guttural back of your throat thing where you create that sound that sounds very similar to the sound design from the movie. You know, like- I I have like a little sound machine here on my keyboard, so- Oh, 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 is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, okay. That makes a little more sense. All right, one one more time, one more time, one more time. Okay, ready? Nice. Good, guy, You gave me chills. <sighs> so anyway, uh, I think that is probably one of the most well-known. We talked about uh, in Jaws some of the scenes from a film that are so recognizable. Uh, that's probably, in at least in the horror genre, uh, one of the most recognizable. Iconic, I would say. Yes, yep. Um, so even if they haven't seen the movie, eh, you, you'll know that it's kind of that TV and the little girl uh, part of the story. So. And now, I understand somebody maybe with an aversion to scary movies in general, not seeing it. But if that's not the reason, do you really think there's anybody out there who hasn't? <laughs> well, it is an older movie. And I, and I think for those in our generation, it's probably much more common to have seen it. Um, but you know, like my adult daughter, uh, hasn't seen it unless it, you know, she didn't sit down with me, but you know, that's the only way. Otherwise, um, no, not necessarily, hmm. but our generation probably is the highest percentage, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So do you want to get rolling here? Do you want to, you want to start us off with your thoughts, your feelings? Uh, Cause I know you have well, copious yeah, notes. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide uh, <laughs> like I did last time with Jaws. <laughs> yeah, boy, you really did. You up um, to the this... end, I was literally on the edge of my seat. Does Jason love <laughs> or hate this movie? <laughs> yeah, I ain't playing. Um, I haven't seen it in probably about a year, but it hasn't been very long. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually watched it with my older kids, um, uh, not my oldest daughter, but with my older kids, we sat and watched it again. And 
so it hasn't been very long, but I rewatched it just before we did the show. And I, I still, this movie freaks me the hell out. And I, so this time when I watched it, I tried to, to pay very, very special attention to what are the elements that actually freak me out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't scare me. Like it's not a boo moment movie. There's really only maybe one, one time when there's like a boo moment, the rest of it is just very creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was trying to look at what are the things that make it that way for me. And I, and there are a couple of things I wrote down. Number one, the whole, I think now more than when I watched it as a kid, obviously, uh, the whole element of the little girl being stuck and the parents being helpless mm-hmm. watching it. Now I had a different appreciation, sort of putting myself in the mom and dad's place, putting myself in Craig T Nelson's place or Steve, uh, that feeling of helplessness, the, that scene they do at one point, this is where Carol Ann's been sucked into the closet, right? Mm-hmm. She's in the other world, wherever that is. They can hear her through the TV every so often and they need help. So they go to the local university. They talk to this psychi- um, psychologist uh, who kind of also dabbles in the paranormal and they try and document kind of like an early ghost hunters type yeah. um, people, right? Cause they've got all this equipment and the scene where he's with them in the university, which is one of the only scenes that happens outside of the house. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there and they're talking about, you know, how much of these events uh, happen, you know, we'll help you make these events go away. And he's sitting there smoking and the room is just kind of filled with smoke and he's grizzled, you know, he hasn't shaved uh, in yeah. like two days. Looks and like he hasn't he, slept in a week and a half. Yes. Like he's all disheveled. His eyes are dark and sunken in. And he's just like, I don't care about about the occurrences. I just want my daughter back. And you know, that whole scene, mm-hmm. I, I could equate, I mean, I could uh, put myself in his shoes much more now. Um, and that terror, that feeling was more there than of course, when I was a kid, cause that was just about the ghosts, but, um, it just, that part of it was much more intense. But the other thing was, and it pl- played in that little sequence, which you said they're here, the music design, the sound design of this movie, mm-hmm. I tried to imagine if they had put a soundtrack of a more creepy movie, like the intense strings or something where it was the uh, orchestral buildup, almost even like Jaws, you know how it's the intense string and brass, something like that. It was not as creepy as that little flute would sound. Yes, it's like music box music in the background. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. It's exactly like a music box. And that was creepy as hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those sequences that had that in the background, it's, it's just like kids music. And, and uh, like you'd hear some toy playing uh, in a classic kids room. And that added a whole layer of creepiness to it that uh, I don't think would have been there if they played it much more like a Halloween or Nightmare or, or one of those movies with that scary soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That real kind of creepy kid stuff in the background added something. I agree with you that, no, I was going to say that, that I don't know how to put it. There are a few sound like scores that affect me, affect me. Like, yeah, obviously I have ones that I just love, right? The yeah. Terminator, RoboCop. I love the way they sound. Yeah. But Poltergeist has always, it's like, if I just hear part of it, it gives me the friggin' heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think I could listen to that with headphones on sitting in like the dark at some old ass house that yes. used to be an asylum or a mortuary or something. I just <laughs> couldn't freaking do it. 
because there's something, and it, it's and it's not. And there's a couple moments where it does the whole kind of sour that when it gets really when you know when, yes. when stuff is getting extra real and they really amp up the like the clown scene, right? Yes. Um, yep. Yep. But for the most part, it's that almost sing songy light. It's almost whimsical. Yes. Just the way Jerry Goldsmith did the, oh, yeah, it is great. I, I really have, I wish I had something to be contrarian about about this, but I have a feeling you and I, this is pretty much going to be us <laughs> blowing smoke up this movie's ass and each other's ass. Okay. And, yeah, <laughs> But, you know, go, uh, going back to the music stuff, it's not just that it's pure, clean, um, kind of sweet music. It's almost like they added a layer. It's sort of like, if you ever watch a movie that plays like old 20s music, Yes. And it's through that a little bit of a filter. Yeah. So it has something distorted about it. It's not just the the, the music box move, uh, uh, music. Mm-hmm. There's something slightly distorted. And, and if you listen, there's actually other music going on underneath that. Yeah, there's yeah. something else. Yeah. It's almost like a, a long high note with strings or, or an electronic sound. But it's something that makes it feel wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's It's meant to be sweet. And it's meant to be cute, but it's wrong. It's just like the idea of clowns, right? So you've got this the the stuffed clown in the movie. It's clowns are supposed to be funny and whimsical, but you distort it just slightly, and they're demonic. And e- you, you mean evil. you distort you distort it like this? <laughs> Like you don't even need to see what the hell's going on. You just know. <laughs> yes, yes. And if you if you ever um, pause it right at that moment, because that stuffed clown is in in the movie quite a bit uh, when they're in their bedroom, and it's kind of got you know a typical clown doll face, which is creepy enough. But when it attacks Robbie oh, yeah. at that point, they redid the head completely, and there's like black cracks in his face and his, his smile is like grotesquely large. And aren't his and they, eyebrows like furrowed, like he's angry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it's a completely different head on there, but it's just so creepy. And of course it plays on every kid's worst fear because he looks up and the doll's gone. So he leans over the side of the bed to see if it's under the bed, Yeah. <laughs> which I'm sorry, but no child, no, nope. no child did that. <laughs> nope, never. I, I never. It's it's like it's it's a, it's a cliche in all horror movies, right? People will yes. do stuff, and you're thinking, why would you do that? <laughs> now, this movie does something very smart, like The Shining, where you put the people in a situation where they can't reasonably just leave. So, right, yeah. in The Shining, it's a blizzard, it's a snowstorm. Where the hell are you gonna go, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, it's the house or die. Sure. Yeah. In, the, in this movie, it's their child. The, a parent is not going to leave their child. And if you're either going, yeah, yeah my ass, I'd be, well, then you don't have kids. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm just saying there's no way that, that so I buy that there's no way they're going to just suck it up and deal with the. Now, yeah. I don't think, I guess at one point they finally do. I know they have the, the daughter goes and stays with the friends, the older daughter. Yep. And with, and with, I'm trying to, I have some reason I'm brain farting. Did Robbie, he's with them up until almost the very end, right? Yeah, he's up. He's with them. Okay, so here are the segments. I think it's after the point with the tree and the tree tries to eat my kid. I'm going to send him off to grandma's. Yes. Okay, so here are the segments of the movie. The segment one is everything's sweet and fine, and it's the buildup. It's uh, showing the family together. Everything's fine. Then there's the part where still kind of part of the beginning where the paranormal things start to happen, but they're very innocuous. Yes. So it's the it's chairs sliding. It's Carolyn sliding across the room. Weird things happening. Okay, that's segment one. Segment. Segment two is shit gets real because the tree comes to life 
and eats Robbie. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, <laughs> three, one. You know, it's funny that tra- I didn't know that technique until this movie when I was a kid. And I remember asking really? somebody saying, oh, yeah, yeah, what you do is you count. And that's approximately oh, means it's that many miles away. I could never do it after because, this movie. Right, because you count down. And if it's getting closer, that means that tree is coming for you. Something <laughs> is going to come smashing through the window, grab me and eat me. Yes. And uh, just a uh, quick science note here. Um, sound travels at 700 and <laughs> miles an hour. So uh, that means it takes it five seconds to travel a mile. And that's where the counting to five gives you every five seconds is one mile that the lightning or that the uh, lightning is actually away from you because light comes fast and the, the sound comes away. Uh, yeah. Just just a quick question. Is uh-huh an actual scientific measurement or <laughs> <laughs> is seven uh-huh? Yes. Like, is that like something I just don't understand? Because Yes, it's okay. 700 and <laughs> something. Uh, yeah. Got it. Got it, got it. <laughs> so, um, but th- so the tree, the lightning's happening. He's counting. The tree eats him. Uh, and when they're distracted trying to save him from the tree, that's when Caroline gets sucked into the closet, which we presume is some kind of paranormal vortex to the other side. So they're stuck there. So that whole second segment is they're not leaving the house because their daughter's still there. And at that point, I would have let Robbie go or sent him away. Oh, for a second of, there, I thought, you of, meant, I thought you meant. To save Carol Ann, you would have let Robbie go as in, like, get eaten by the tree. No. It's like, wow, I guess if you got to sacrifice one of them. To be fair, she's cuter, <laughs> she's funnier, and he's kind of a whiner, hey, you know? Carol Ann, Carol Pull yourself the other boy. Smack yeah, yeah. <laughs> him. <laughs> um, no, I would have sent him to Grandma's house because I, you know, wouldn't have taken the risk. But I also understand from, you know, being a parent that, when things are dangerous, you want to be the one to protect your own kid. So, you know, holding him close and keeping him there, I can understand. It didn't feel weird. But then here's the knock I will have on this movie because I'll say I love it. It was great. It's still scary as crap. Um, all that stuff in the beginning half or the middle happens where uh, they, they're trying to get Carol Ann back and they bring in the medium, Zelda, right? Yeah. Uh, this uh, house bring- is clear. Right. Uh, Tangina. Uh, right. So it's Zelda, Zelda Rubenstein. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's the, the, the uh, psychic and she's the communicator with the dead. So she comes in. She gets super real. Right. They pull Carol Ann out of the other world and it's all happy. And Zelda does this. This this house is clean. Like, yeah, yeah. I did it. Yeah. And then everybody leaves. Yeah. This is. Uh, by like, the way, you're about to describe my one knock against this movie. Continue. So then everybody's like, yeah, we did it. So they're all clean and they all did it. And uh, so they show them packing their house up, right? So the moving trucks out there, they're like, yeah, we're getting out of here. So that I buy. I buy, we're getting the hell out of here, yep. right? Too many Leaving bad memories. This house. Yep. Uh, bad stuff. We, we give up. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, oh, well, we'll just sleep here. And mom's walking through the hallway at one point because dad decides he's going to go to work and pick up some of his stuff and quit. Right. Uh-huh. Leaves him there. And he says, hey, if the kids just fall asleep, let them conk out. I'll wake him up tonight when I get home and we'll leave tonight. So he leaves. Uh, mom's in the house letting, letting, hello, letting the two kids play in the bedroom where the vortex was. And their beds are in there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, the door's closed. She walks up the door. She hears them kind of fighting and talking and playing. And she's like, oh, they're good. So she goes in to bleach her or to uh, dye her hair, which was bleach white streaks because she went to the other world mm-hmm. through that room. Yes. Yeah. Like you think that just the PTSD involved. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. Like she would not, they would not leave my MF in sight. That's all I'm saying. No, exactly. Okay. Besides the fact that you would have said, okay, honey, well, you could go ahead and go off to the office and pack the rest of the crap up tonight. We'll be at the local Motel 6. Yeah. Leaving now. Like I'm getting in the car now. Yeah. The second she said this house is clean and we've got, actually, you know what? I wouldn't wait until she said we got, you know, now did she, I'm trying to remember, did she say it right when they pulled Carol Ann out? Oh, when Carol Ann, uh, uh. Diane pulled Caroline out and they fell through the ceiling mm-hmm. with all that schmutz on them, right? Mm-hmm. And then they picked them up, put them in the bathtub, and they come back to life. Sure. And the all the other people in the house are like, oh, we need to give them a moment. Hell no! They closed the door to the bathroom to give them a moment, a family moment, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. When they closed that door, the guy, uh, Ryan, That's one of the right. assistants, has got the big giant VHS camera going, right? And he points it at, at uh, Zelda, and that's when she kind of fluffs her hair and she says... This house is clean. Yes. Yeah. And then that—that's it, right? So they're all alive. So the, the assumption. Well, let's go to this. So the assumption is the house is clean based on no other evidence other than you pulled Caroline out. <laughs> it couldn't be that. Oh, I don't know. You just pissed them off royally. Right. right. <laughs> and that part always gets me. And that's one of the things I it, that is a disconnect for me because of the way they act. Because it seems so wrong. Mm-hmm. Like. You, Emotionally, like it doesn't feel right. Yes. Yeah. When the kid was trapped, they're staying there to get their kid out. As soon as they're all out, my ass is in a car and my ass is driving away. Mm-hmm. But it works so well for the movie because once they're still there and everything comes back to life, that's almost the scariest part of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because that that's where it's like all bets are off and this thing is coming full bore mm-hmm. it's gonna get them yep and no one else is left in the house but the kids and her yep so that part of it is the scariest part so for the movie's purposes i don't fault it but from the emotional perspective of parents it's like no it'd be like hey kids i'm taking a bath come on you're sitting on the floor of the bathtub with me <laughs> i almost feel as if they and again here we go with 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 joel's uh 30 something year later monday morning quarterbacking <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> See, if you just give me 30 something years, I could tell, come up with a much better transitional, emotionally trans, uh, satisfying transitional piece for your film. So just some right. of your movies that they're 30 plus years old and I got gotcha. you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I almost wonder if I would have bought, okay, the house is clean. There's no evidence of anything else happening. Sure. He's going to run and grab something. Mom goes in to do a final sweep of the kitchen or something. She's packing up some things. Yeah. She tells the kids, you know, maybe they say, hey, mom, I just need to go grab you know, my toy, whatever, my Millennium yes. Falcon. Yep. Okay, hurry up. And they hear something that makes, because uh, Carol Ann being a little girl, and yeah, you know, I would buy that she hears something and goes wandering back into the bedroom by herself. Yes. But it's more accidental. Yes. Yeah. They, and like they didn't leave fast enough, but they were on their way out. Now, I guess it seems, you know what, it, it's the relaxation. She takes a bath, she's taking a bath, and it's like. Yeah, and they're. They're fine with it too because they're just sitting there playing on the bed and she says can you guys tuck yourself in and they're like yeah yeah i'm thinking i wouldn't want to step foot in that damn room <laughs> let alone the house yeah there's no kid that would say hmm, let me see uh the tree smashed through that window to eat me and that closet opened up and sucked in uh, everything all the people i love yeah i'm i'm gonna sleep in the living room thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll be sleeping happen. i'll be sleeping in the neighbor's <laughs> front yard this is California. I'm sure the weather's fine. It's probably perfectly fine. Although it seems to storm twice in this movie. So that is true as that. Well, and, and I do want to address something too, not just the sound design. Cause that's brilliant. Yeah. But it's, I watched one of the behind the scenes that was on YouTube 
and they talked about and I and I'd seen them years ago, but it, it was nice to you know, refresh the memory where they talked about how they achieved some of the lighting effects, especially the closet right before they send Diane through with the yes, rope around her waist. When, yeah, when Zelda comes in the room mm-hmm. and it, you could see all the twinkling and everything. Yeah, it's just that is so. By the way, I I believe that the majority of this movie was truly directed by Do- Toby Hooper. I my guess is Spielberg was a mic because you know the story that supposedly Spielberg really directed this and. You know yeah. that you know that whole thing, yep. So I feel was probably more true because this was you know Spielberg wrote the story that it's based on, and it was probably more that he micromanaged it as a producer than directed it. So I yeah. think that micromanagement has been been taken to mean oh well he directed it. No, I think Toby Hooper is a competent director, despite some of the other movies he was involved with but, uh, but he definitely yeah. prior to this had done some movies that gave him street cred but there are moments in it that are so unbelievably spielbergian especially from that era yes. that they do make you go yeah. uh maybe toby hooper didn't direct this scene and that closet <laughs> yeah. is one that comes to mind the the whole the lighting just the everything about that to me is yeah. so iconically 80s spielberg i i just like when I see that, if you just show me a still, I'm thinking that's Spielberg. Like it just, there's something about it that just feels so, just like you watch a scene from E.T. or you watch Close Encounters or Raiders. I mean, there's just moments that you're like, yeah, that's Spielberg. Especially the Close Encounters stuff, because like you mentioned with the lighting. Yes. Like when the, the little boy, when the little boy opens the door and the blast of light from the UFO in Close Encounters and yeah. Yes. Or uh, the scene where, uh, in this one, where the ghosts are coming down the staircase. Yes. And you can ju- just make out that they're somehow holding it. I mean, the effect is that they're just spirits walking down, but they're somehow the actors are holding a light that just barely illuminates their face and like a hat they might be wearing or something mm-hmm. to make them look old and, uh, you know, hundred year old prospectors or something is kind of, but that feel to it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, feels more like, uh, something Spielberg. Well, and I'll even go so far as to say, if you really go and look, especially from, I'll give him, I mean, in Jaws, but it really kicks up with Close Encounters and then not as much Raiders. I mean, a little bit in Raiders, but certainly with this one, E.T., Gremlins to a certain degree. There's certain movies, whether he directed them or produced them. I, I have this theory that there's certain actors, I call them like almost like Spielbergian stock. There's something about them. Yeah. My, Michael, Michael in E.T., um, in this one, the paranormal investigators, both the African-American guy and the other guy who peels his face off. And we'll have to get into that real quick. Yeah. And 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 there's just some characters. There's a look to them. And I can't quite almost like I can. And maybe it's the Mad Magazine parodies that do this. Too, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there's just a look that they have like almost not a yeah. caricature, but there's just something about them that I see them. And I see I, I could see him having like he cast them like there's something about them that obviously connects to him on some level and they can act, too. That helps. But there's just a look to them that they have. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's been several movies I've watched to his in a row. where I'm like, you know, there's a look that he goes seems to go after in certain people. And I can't it's like a, it's it, it, my limbic system is overloading right now. I can't describe what it's it's a feeling. There's just certain people I'm like. Yeah, that yeah he should, like and I'll see other care other people other actors in a movie he had nothing to do with. I'm like I could see that guy being in a Spielberg movie. Yeah, I, I felt the same way about like some of the exterior scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it one of the setup shots in the very beginning that's got the kid on the BMX bike. Yes, part part of that could really be just time period and my nostalgia for no, it. No, I think you're right. I know exactly what you're about to say about but it. It's, it's yeah. not just a kid on 
the BMX bike. It's the way the entire street is set up mm-hmm. and the people he has on it and the way that it does the, you know, cause it's a, what is it? A crane shot or whatever, where it starts low and it picks up and then you yeah, yeah. Crane, you a, boom, a boom type shot. Yeah. Boom shot. Right. Where it's just a typical, it's supposed to represent like a typical, um, suburban neighborhood, mm-hmm. but it's just has those elements that he's like, hmm, this is missing. Or, oh, no, we need a kid on a BMX bike, like riding circles around this part of the street. Or Goonies. It, like ET. Goonies. Go- it has a Goonies vibe almost. Goonies, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the Good actors call. in that, that is, and, a- and a lot of the actors in that have that same look that I'm talking about. It's, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. It is. And a lot of it is time period. So uh, clothing-wise, this is, you know, this movie, part of it felt very late 70s uh, um, because of the mom, you know, and her wardrobe but you know in general it it just had a lot of that feel to it um a little older but yeah i can see how he had some major influence uh in this now what about um i wanted to ask you a couple things you mentioned the guy peeling his face off so that brought me to i made some comments about special effects yeah that scene doesn't hold up at all for me no it it feels like a a animatronic skull that someone's ripping pieces of spielberg is because apparently that's his hands yeah (laughs) Is it really? Yeah, that's supposed. Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten that. And Dave Becker reminded me. Yeah, it's supposed ah. to be his hands. Yep. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> no, I didn't know that. Um, but uh, uh, the uh, there are a couple of other scenes. One, of course, um, the scene where anything goes through the portal mm-hmm. comes out. That seems to have chicken livers on. I don't know why. <laughs> a lot of chickens in the netherworld, maybe. Yeah, well, you know, they're they're they're, they're southern <laughs> folk, and they uh, they like themselves some some giblets and <laughs> but... chicken livers. <laughs> My grandmother, when she would make yellow rice and chicken, she was from Louisiana. She would always leave. I don't know, was it the chicken heart? And I, and I'll never. You know, isn't that what a giblet is? What the hell is a giblet? No, the giblets are not because gizzards are actually the neck part with the gr- crunchy stuff in it. Yeah, uh, the giblets I think are just all the internal. So it's like the heart, the lungs. Yeah. The, the there are by the way, there are the people kidneys, listening yeah. right now about to vomit. It, I know she left because I remember I was eating it and I was like, oh, what's this? And I sort of bite into my nose. Yeah, I think that might be a chicken heart. <laughs> and what's bad is her yellow rice and chicken was awesome up until that part. That's why. <laughs> yeah. it, gives, it gives it a special flavor, you see. You see? Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, but um, then, of course, when Carol Ann and um, Diane, her mom, mm-hmm. come out and they're in the bathtub, they're covered in grape jelly because i remember as a kid not you know getting hungry and wanting to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich no No. those parts were less scary and more gross to me it was just like i just watched those and just thought oh like when the tennis balls come through and the guy catches it he's all happy yeah it's all covered in like sludge oh gross what is that and i I guess that's the one thing too if i'm gonna be nitpicky that face scene despite the fact that the effect just doesn't hold up I, I feel like it's gratuitous. Like, why was it necessary to have the guy peel off his own face? There was nothing else in the movie that was gory like that. Yeah, it just felt out of place. It's like, now, oh, really? I, I see I see how what, one of the things that I, I thought about this was I could see how they're tr- trying to play that there's some psychological factor sure. where it's messing with their mind. I get that, but it was just too gross. And the rest of the movie didn't have have anything like that other than the stuff coming out of the ceiling. And that was just kind of a part of the transition, you know? So it wasn't really gross because you didn't really see where it came from. It kind of felt like smeat. <laughs> I, well, I'm really glad you brought the whole psychological aspect up. Have you seen Oculus yet? 
Mike Flanagan's uh, movie? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I haven't seen it. I'm going, anybody who hasn't seen it yet, for the next minute or so, I'm going to spoil a scene. Nothing major, but just a scene. Because it totally, when you said that, and it actually makes me want to find out if this influence, that influence at all, this moment in his movie. Because in that movie, obviously, it's a ghost story element, involves a mirror that's possessed, blah, blah, blah. And uh-huh. the, the characters, there's issues where you begin to wonder how much of it's in their mind versus actually it's happening to them. And one of the characters... Right, right picks up we see that they pick up a light bulb they see that they've just picked up an apple oh yeah yeah and that's i think that's in the trailer well and then she and then they bite into it yes that's in the trailer and they start chewing the light bulb she's chewing and then all of a sudden blood starts coming down the corners of her mouth that she oh she's like oh oh," and she looks down she's holding this bloody chunk of a light bulb and it's it's horrifying it's but it's not it's gross in, in a way but it's not and it fits and then almost immediately she re- you know it turns out it was all it was an apple so it's like it was messing with, like you know it right. was messing with her it was messing with us so that scene though felt right for that movie that yeah. scene in poltergeist it just it's always bugged me not in a because i can't handle it it's more just a why i was like it should have been that seems like a scene that would be in the deleted scenes yeah you know what i mean like it, yeah. it doesn't serve and, and any it went purpose on- too long it 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 wasn't just that because you know he had the scene before that where he goes in and he says i'm gonna go get something to eat alone in the dark kitchen yeah again yeah why <laughs> yeah, the what? outside looking in maybe yeah. Right? yeah um he so he goes in there to get something to eat and he grabs a chicken leg and he's gonna cook a steak yeah what is what? that <laughs> you're in somebody's house you're 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 in their house doing they have your- a huge steak on a plate in the refrigerator and you're like, ah, they're not going to eat this and it's not cooked yet. So he's, he's got to fry it up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I so agree. He's gonna, like what? Go out and grill. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, he, he goes to take, uh, you know, he bites into the, the, the chicken leg and then he sees the um, steak moving and maggots. And then the chicken legs got maggots and that whole, but then right sequence. there, but to, to me right there, boom, that would have been enough. That's enough. Yes. That would have been enough. And it felt like, um, if they had left it there, it would have gotten the message across that there was some kind of psychological work at play. Uh-huh. It almost felt like too much when they added that whole long piece. I was like, yeah, no, because now you're just doing it for gore. Now it's just there for gore. And and tying, and I guess, again, context is everything. 82, the Friday the 13th movies, are part two has come out at this time. So you've got, yeah. you, actually, I think part three actually had come out in 82. So you actually have that starting whoa, whoa. to become a, th- huh? Part three came out in 82. Yeah. 80 was the first one. 81 was the second one. And 82 was the third one. But then I think part four came out in 84. Well, you know what? Yeah. Cause I think I, hold on. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute when I cheat, look at IMDb. Okay. It, it, my point being is Friday 13th were kicking up slasher films were kicking up the gore yeah, factors yeah. were yep. kicking up so i get on some level why they maybe felt that oh people want yeah, they this. were competing yeah but i guess what i'm going to is that as a scene because of the character it happens to be so even amongst all the paranormal investigators he's minor i argue the lady i can't remember her name the woman that's the leader and the african-american guy and i think they get more screen time than even that guy does oh yeah because at one point he leaves remember because she's like I'm not going to leave you uh, or say something like he's not coming back, uh, but I'm not going to leave you. And she hugs the 
uh, it was Dr. Something or other. Because she has the moment with Diane where yes, they're in exactly. the kitchen. Yep. It's daytime after all this crap's happened. She's a believer now. And apparently they're both up drinking whiskey all night long. But <laughs> Hey, you know, whatever <laughs> so, gets you through the night. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but, you know, she um, uh, she says she's going to stay. And Ryan, the other guy, uh, he stays. But then the guy with pulls his face off. He's like, yeah, no, I'm out. I'm out. By the way, Friday 13 Part 3 was 1982. I remember always thinking that was weird because I always thought 83 was when the whole 3D thing kicked in. But I guess because I know part three was 3D and Jaws 3D was in 83. But part, Friday wow. 13th part three was 82. Wow. Yeah. Mm. But point being, I guess the thing I come back to, not only was it such a minor character, but take that scene out of the movie. Does anything change because that scene's no. not in the movie? That's the problem with it. No. It doesn't really add anything. That's what makes it gratuitous. Nothing, nothing changes, and it doesn't take away from any of uh, the power of what's going on sure. there. So it's not like it's it would have the energy would have felt different. As a matter of fact, like you, as I watch it, I'm like, oh shit, this scene again. Yeah, you it's know? almost like you don't even want to see. It's like, ah, okay, yeah, if I, if I peels his face off, but it looks fake. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So I don't know if it was a practice in uh, uh, special effects, or they like, hey, we've got this head, we got to do something with it. You know, I don't know, mm -hmm. but. It just didn't work as well. So anyway, I want I, I did have a question about special effects I wanted to ask you about. Sure, sure. The final scene of the movie is they are all escaping what is this giant vortex that's now opened up in their house trying to suck the kids in, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they are escaping the house. They get in the car. Mass hysteria is happening outside, and everybody's freaking out. The, the um, uh, caskets, the coffins are popping up out of the ground because that's when you, you have the scene with the audio clip of the guy saying move the headstone only move the headstone <laughs> I just love his scream at the end <laughs> that's the one thing real quick let me just interject it so I don't forget that's the one thing about this movie going back to your point about that emotional disconnect with the end the last I wouldn't call it the last act but the last 15-20 minutes yeah yeah is that there's so many moments in this that feel so real in their emotional reaction like that scream the way yeah. diane yells about her give you know her daughter give her daughter back that whole thing and the way the do oldest daughter when she gets dropped off at the very end and just oh, screams what's, what's happening, happening? Yeah. like there's something so real in yeah. the way they scream yeah and yet there's still that ridiculous like let's hey let's all go chill and have some weed while we because our house <laughs> is clean now and <laughs> Which would even bring up the fact that there's an entire scene. Yeah, again, it's like, of, why do they need to be smoking weed? Smoking on a joint, and her, and he, like, passes her the cigar box of marijuana and says, hey, roll another one. And the, only, well, the only thing I always assume <laughs> that scene was meant to represent on some level, again, context, right? Yep. I Because he's reading a book about Reagan, right? And I got the, yes. I got the vibe that they were former hippies. That now yes. are leaving this more obviously conservative suburban lifestyle, yeah, and there's he's the businessman. Yes, yeah. but maybe he didn't used to be, and this is the last, the sort of the last little connection they have to their uh, wasted yeah. youth, whatever. So that's how I always even, took. She that. even makes yes, and she even makes a comment. You remember when he comes home, and uh, it's when he comes home, and she wants to show him that stuff moves in the kitchen, mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, he's walking from the car to get the trash cans, and um, she comes out and says, "No, you got to come see right now, right now!" And she pulls him out and um, pulls him into the kitchen, and she says to him, "Close your eyes and take yourself back to a time when you had a more open mind." Mm -hmm. Right? There's just just that kind of comment that mm -hmm. I agree with you. It feels like it was much more of the 
remember back, back when we used to dance in the moonlights and yeah, you know, you know when we were stuff like that. So yeah, we, it, yeah, exactly. Woodstock yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> Don't eat the purple acid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the fact that they probably did did enough drugs to kill an elephant during their uh, their youth, and yet for some reason it never occurred to them. That maybe at least initially this was all completely an utter paranoia because they got bad weed or something, but whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but not not maybe. to completely derail you. What were you going to say about uh, the end, the special effects of the okay, house? So, yeah. So they they all leave. Uh, they're running out of the house. Everybody's freaking out. That's when the oldest daughter Dana comes out and she screams, "What's happening?" <laughs> and then uh, they get in the car and zip. They're out. Mm-hmm. Right. The house collapses into that vortex wormhole and wormhole black hole <laughs> yeah, whatever how did they do that i know i it, saw there's no cgi no there's no 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 cgi so how my knee jerk going purely off of memory here was that it was some kind of model they collapsed it down they probably filmed it it's sort of like the nakatomi tower at the end of uh, die hard when the helicopters going down the side that was a model and they would shoot it at 60 frames a second because then when you play it back at 24 frames a second it makes everything because it's obviously going a lot slower look a lot more real that usually with fire and, and water things they shoot it at a much higher frame rate so that when they play it back even if it's supposed to be going yeah, at a normal slow. speed it slows it, just, yeah. it makes it look a little more realistic but that's how they typically did it um and sometimes they would even shoot at a higher frame rate so i don't know what frame rate they shot at i'm pretty confident though they use some sort of model that they then sucked i don't know the industrial vacuum cleaner or whatever they would suck <laughs> it in through some sort of gate you know gap somewhere and then they would create that effect and then overlay it and then that's how you get that illusion but that's it yeah. basically see what's awesome is we're not 100 percent sure you know why because it wasn't in a computer because had it been made now, which we could get briefly into the idea of the remake and what you think about that. But if it's made now and that happens, I'm going to react and say, well, they did it in a computer, Jason. Why are you asking? Yeah. Yeah. No magic. And, and it's no magic. And that's part of And you can see I mean, you can see edges where it looks like that it's some kind of, I don't know, paint work or animation work um, on the film to kind of make the light and some of the places curl. But I, it always blew me away that they mm-hmm. it, I know they didn't really suck a house into a hole. Old, but, but it looks good. It's kind of cool to think. How do you do all of that in layers? So uh-huh. it's not. Yeah. yeah, it was good. I was impressed. And the other um, special effect, which I wanted to ask you about, is you mentioned the lights coming out of the closet. Mm-hmm. I always imagined that that was like they just had a bunch of really bright lights mm-hmm. and they just put big fans in front. Of them. You're, <laughs> you're close. They did use fans. They also used a bunch of different reflective surfaces, like tiny mirrors. And uh, I think there were some of them were even on like little springs so that they could move them. And so that's how you get that little dancing light effect. And then yeah, they had yeah. other lighting sort. There was like a big hodgepodge and then you dump a bunch of you know fog in on top of yeah. that. And then that's how they created that very because I think what Spielberg said was he wanted that to see the light to actually seem alive. Yeah. In and of itself. So yeah. Oh, that's and a great I, lighting effect. I love that. That whole scene in front with him holding Diane. Like, it's so, you know what it is in a way, too? It almost reminds me of E.T. When E.T.'s watching the old movie and Elliot is replicating what E.T.'s seeing because they're both getting drunk. Yes, yes. And he grabs the girl and swings around and kisses her. That, that almost <laughs> overdone 40s-style romance. That's yeah. what that moment between Diane and, why am I brain farting on her husband's name? Steve. Steve, thank you. That... 
that moment just feels that it has that sort of overly romantic but in an awesome way quality to it to me yes yeah except that diane doesn't pee herself when he kisses her like the girl in et does she peed herself uh yes i'm pretty sure <laughs> are you sure i know she like kicks her leg up i i don't remember her peeing herself <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome though. I actually want to go back. I've watched pretty, it a few years. Uh, I could have a weird sense memory of it, but I'm <laughs> sure that somebody in that scene because he gets drunk because ET's drinking. Uh-huh. And the frogs all get let loose. Uh-huh. And, and that whole sequence. I swear to God, I remember there being someone peed themselves, and I thought it was a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, but see, that that would add like such a level of disturbing to that whole moment. Because he pretty much just forces her into his embrace anyway. He's also a little kid who's drunk at school oh my god that's awesome <laughs> yes <laughs> I, <guess maybe. laughs> I could be completely oh off no here. we're going uh, with it it's that's what yeah. happened the girl peed right. herself and that that adds a whole nother layer of she was scared to death and mm-hmm. that, you know that scene suddenly it just took a real dark turn really really dark <laughs> so, so real quick before we jump into our picks what yeah. what are your thoughts about the remake that is supposedly coming out this next year do you know anything about it at all i haven't heard i, I have heard that it's uh it's green lighted like mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. moving ahead um i am okay with it mm-hmm. uh it because i don't feel like it takes anything away from the original mm-hmm. um i'm watching the original now uh like i said through my movie critics eyes so to speak speak i look at it and i think this movie is going to be a classic for a really long time Mm -hmm. uh like i feel like there's nothing that because there's some of the movies we cover that are lesser known the originals are Mm -hmm. and when a remake comes out it almost taints the original because now people only have the knowledge of the new one Mm -hmm. i feel like there's no way they could make a movie that's bigger than this one that's Mm -hmm. better and bigger and more well known Mm -hmm. any remake that they put together i feel like it's just going to be a cool, you're going to do something really neat with one of the best horror movies ever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I Like, it's not going to, even if it's cruddy, it's like, yeah, sure, it's a piece of crap, but the original's great. So, I, I, I don't know. I, it's kind of a weird feeling, but I'm not, I'm okay with it. I'm not worried, but I haven't heard who's going to do it or who's going to be in it or well, anything. Well, here, here's so. why I'm actually very excited about it. Okay. The director, well, Sam Raimi is producing it. I guess Spielberg is technically still on as executive producer. But okay. Sam Raimi is going to be the primary producer involved, or is the primary producer involved. Right. Directed by Gil Keenan, who made my one of my favorite movies, probably my favorite movie of 2006, which was Monster House. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that movie is so Spielberg, Spielberg executive produced that. But even though it's yeah. uh, got that kind of CGI, almost, but it almost has like a stop motion quality to it. It, but yeah. it feels so 80s. Like he, he could tell the guy loved growing up in those Spielberg type movies, and it has that yeah. vibe to it. Yep. So he's directing it. That's good. S- Sam Rockwell is playing the dad. Really? Yes. And the actress Rosemary DeWitt is playing the wife. And honestly, I know she's done some indie stuff. I am totally unfamiliar unfamiliar with her. There's a couple other character actors. A couple of them are vaguely familiar to me. But they're not like I couldn't go. Oh, yeah, that's so and so. Like nobody huge. Sam Rockwell is the biggest name in the movie. And he's such a damn good actor. I don't care. So (laughs) I kind of like that. Yeah. And also, this is not the Freeling family. This is not a I think this is almost going to border on being a distance. Almost like uh, in the same way Prometheus was alien. I think this is going to (laughs) poltergeist 
this version of it, I think is going to be more of a less of a remake and more of a sideways story it's, than a direct it's sequel. in the same universe. Yes. But not a remake of the same story. Yes. Like it's the same entity in another time dealing with another family type of thing. The family's last name is Bowen. Okay. So he's Eric Bowen and she is Amy Bowen. They have three kids, two daughters, one older and what looks to be a very little girl and then a boy in the middle. And one of the rumors I heard, the boy is the target. Ah, so they changed okay. that element up. All right. And, yeah. Cause go ahead. It's almost like you have to do little things like that, mm-hmm. not to make it feel like you're just trying to sure. rewrite the exact same sure. script. Now you know? they shot it all in, I think Toronto. I know it was in Canada. They apparently yeah. found a very, a neighborhood reminiscent of the original, which makes me wonder, do these people move into that neighborhood? Because the other rumor I heard, I don't know if it's true. Just one of the things that I heard high level about the story was that it was going to tie into the idea of after the housing bubble popped and these people, you know, it, they got a great deal on this foreclosed house. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Even though that original house got sucked into the vortex, that real estate company would have wanted to cover their tracks to some degree. And I could totally not put it beyond them to rebuild on top of that property. Oh yeah, sure. Maybe they even put like a park there. So they were sure that another house wouldn't happen, you know, or, or they just put another house there. Cause they were like, Oh, people came up with that story because they destroyed the house and they wanted out. They they didn't, you know, Oh no, I am at, Imagined at the end, and I don't know why this time watching it and the others not, but I imagined at the end that it was all just blamed on a tornado. Because remember, oh, yeah, a tornado sure. came and sucked that tree out so they could just play it off PR sure. as sure. a tornado came through. And Although you would have to hide all those bodies in the streets. That'd be kind of tough. Yeah, well, maybe. But the, <laughs> po- the, but the point is, this is before the internet. So yeah. I mean, you could make the argument that they covered their tracks and yeah, yeah. it became an urban legend, but there was no evidence of it. Right. I'm just telling you now, if if that's where they go with this and the neighborhood is basically the same neighborhood and it has that 80s vibe, but run because you've been in those neighborhoods, right? Even now where you could tell all these houses were pretty new in the 80s and they just had that look much like the houses in Poltergeist or E.T. And they but Mm. yet they're they're kind of run down. Yeah. If it has that vibe, dude, I'm going to be so freaking happy. Oh, my God. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. No Zelda Rubenstein though, which she passed away anyway. So, well, yeah, a lot of people in this movie passed away. Yeah, we did. I, honestly we could have gone there, and I contemplated: do we want to go into the whole murder thing, and do we want to go into the dead Carol? I no, don't. I don't want to go there. Other than it's just depressing. to mention that Zelda's, uh, she, I don't know, she was older when yeah, this came out. She was pretty so old. She, in this she, year. Uh, I don't know her her deal. I know that uh, uh, Dominique Dunn was m- uh, murdered yep. by her boyfriend. Yep. Uh, not related to the movie at all. And uh, uh, Carol Ann, uh, Heather O'Rourke, was that yep. her name? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. She she got sick because um, there's she had a heart even some, issue, right? So yes, yeah, something I don't remember. There, I do know that there was some urban legend about what was wrong with her, and that that's completely false. So like something about. Her mom being abusive. Or no, not I think it had something to do with it. She had a heart operation and it just right. basically she got pneumonia and that, or something. And But that was another one of those, again, before the internet, urban legends of horror movies that just got out of control. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she was sadly just ill and passed away. But um, uh, Craig T. Nelson's still around and uh, Joe Beth uh, so is Joe Beth Williams, which is funny because she's uh, had a cameo parts in um, – the Showtime series Dexter. <laughs> she plays his girlfriend's uh, mom, and she is a B 
with an itch. Let me tell you what, she's not a nice person. <laughs> and it kind of like, oh no, I like her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, the, the cast in the original was just, even all of them were fantastic. And the story yeah, yeah. goes that I believe Spielberg, and how much of this is true versus urban legend, I don't know, but the story goes, Heather O'Rourke was on the, I guess, who put out, was it Universal? It wasn't Universal. Was Universal that who put out Poltergeist? I feel like it was something, uh, it was like somebody else, but maybe it had to be Universal. Maybe I think it was Universal. Because he, the he put symbol, out most right? of Spielberg's early stuff, huh? That's the globe symbol? Is that yes. the, yeah, the, right? the planet, Universal? yeah, the planet with the, yeah. I think it's, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think I think you're it. right. I think it was Universal. And yeah. that she was on the lot, back lot, doing like, I don't know, she was doing a commercial or something, you know, five years old, and he saw yeah. her in the commissary. And they were looking at the time for the perfect Carol Ann, and he's like, yep, there she is. There it is, yeah. And she was, she's cute <laughs> as a button, so. Yeah, she was. She was. Wow. Yeah. So on that note, my friend, before I knock things off of the shelf, apparently, because I'm <laughs> feeling overzealous, would you like to go into our movie picks? Yes, please. Movie picks. So, Jason, what, uh, pray tell, my fine feathered friend, is, I don't know why I keep calling you that, is... <laughs> your <laughs> movie pickage I kind of have a stork look to me so yeah. it's, it's, to be fair it's not too bad I was going to go with uh, Great Blue Heron <laughs> that'll work too <laughs> it's the gray hair mm -hmm. um, yeah so one of the elements we didn't talk much about was uh, Craig T. Nelson's character Steve his boss uh, Mr. Teague who at one point when uh, Steve has had enough and they're ready to pack up their shit and get out um, actually no he's been sick and out of work so the boss stops by to see if he's there. And his fear is that uh, um, Steve is leaving, mm -hmm. finding some other opportunity. And he pulls him up on a hill and says, uh, you know, you account for 40 percent of the sales of this entire neighborhood. And I'm thinking, where the hell are the other salespeople? Damn. Mm -hmm. um, so he tries to get him. So anyway, that's played by uh, James Karen, who is a classic actor, been around for, for quite a long time. And he's got that face that is very recognizable. Like you think, God, I've seen him in a million things. Mm -hmm. uh, and you would be right. Cause he has almost 200 acting credits and uh, he's still around. Um, but I went back a little bit uh, in the eighties uh, and picked one. He was in uh, that. I don't think we've covered, but I'm pretty sure we've picked from 1985. Uh, I chose the return of the living dead. Mm. It's James Karen. He's one of the primary guys. Clue Gallagher is in it as well. Uh, Don Calfa and uh, Tom Matthews. So um, it's one that I have seen. It's been a long time, but it's the whole idea that this is one with the medical supply warehouse mm -hmm. with gas that turns people into zombies. And uh, it's much more tongue in cheek mm -hmm. than and Night of the Living Dead. You know, that was uh, was that 83 no, remake. Uh, no way. OK, so Night of no, the Living Dead. Yes. Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968 and then the remake is 1990. 90. I always think it's in 80s. I don't know why. It has, well, because to be fair, 90, it might as well be 88, 89. It has a very late 80s look to it, in my mind. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, this came before that, but this was not a remake. It's just kind of a play on the whole zombie. No. And of course, this movie is probably its biggest contribution to the zombie zeitgeist. It introduced the concept that after this movie, everybody assumed all zombies did this thing. Do you know what that is? Uh, it could be any brains. There it is. Eat 
Yeah. Brains. Brains. And so that didn't happen in uh, uh, Romero's original. No, they don't talk for starters. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but they also didn't, you know, crave brains. It was just, you know, kill yeah. people. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is the first one where they actually, for some reason, had a craving for brains. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, indeed. Indeed, they did. And <laughs> I, I don't think I used to have it on my sound card. I wish I did. That'd be awesome. Hold on. Let me just check. I used to have on here from Return of the Living Dead Part 2. It was, did you ever see that one? Is this the screwdriver clip? Yes. <laughs> yes. Get that damn screwdriver out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know why I like that so much. Yeah. You Return love that did, clip. I know I do. It just, it makes, it makes me chortle. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and I remember, I think I saw Return Living did part two before I saw part one. And part two is the one where it's like a kid and James Karen and, the other guy, Tom Matthews, I believe it is. They're the two guys in the first one who slowly die. Yeah. And, yeah. and, the, and the exact same thing happens in the second one, but they're, they're like totally different characters that have no yeah. memory of it's very bizarre. It's almost like they've been <laughs> reincarnated. It's bizarre. Yes. And yeah. I haven't seen part two in a long time, but my memory again, since memory is, I really like it and I want to rewatch it. That is yeah. probably one of those movies that everybody hated on back then, but it would be more, it would be fun now. And I seem to remember, even though one is meant to be humorous and have a campy quality to it, the second one is even more so that way. Yeah. So I really would like to revisit that one, but no, that is an excellent pick and brains where it comes from. And I don't know if you remember this, but in return of living dead, the creature that I think is the one that first says it, it's the one that's in the tank that I can't remember. They had a kind of name for it. In the can. Like, yes. It was in that like, dude, that thing drum. scared that. That still scares the hell out. Of that thing is scary, <laughs> man. It is because that it movie is. was the one where the zombies, the eyes were still in the skull. Like they yes. were intact, and there's something about that that just looks wrong. <laughs> Wait, is it um, is it uh, uh, Dead Alive? Not Dead Alive. What's uh, the one that you love with uh, uh, Bruce Campbell? Um, oh, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Is it Evil Dead Two that has the cover? Yes, that looks that has the skull with the eyes. That in it? freaks me out, man. <laughs> That's that is freaky. Yeah. yeah, it is. And and I don't remember. I don't think any point in Evil Dead Two you see anything like that. I think they just did it as a promo piece. But in, yeah, but that poster has that. Yes, you're right. It does. It's that iconic side view, and he's kind of looking at you out of the corner the of his eye, eye. Yeah, the eyes are looking to the side, uh -huh. but there's no skin or muscles on the face exactly. at all. Exactly. Yeah. But in yeah. Return Living Dead, several of the zombies who were rotted in every other way, and they pretty much look like a skull head with some meat hanging off of them they still their eyeballs are perfectly intact and there's just something even the lips are gone away from their teeth so they got this this which this makes sense cheshire grin this ah it makes sense because if you ever look at um any any old especially old horror movies or anything because you don't really see it much these days but anything with the skeleton in it the skeleton with no eyes or nothing in their eye sockets for some reason just isn't quite as scary no it's so not if you look a lot of times they'll put like lights, like red lights sure. where their eyes used to be, or if the eyes are still there, it's something with that connection where yeah. we make eye contact yeah. or connection with the soul. Yep. Uh, that piece yeah. adds a whole nother level right. of fear. Yeah, that is, that's creepy as hell to me. <laughs> yeah, because just a skull is nothing. You put eyeballs in a skull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was an excellent pick, Jason. I'm right. serious. I love that. It's a good movie. Yes, All right, your turn. All right, I may have made this a pick a long, long time ago, and I don't care. I'm lazy like that. But as we're going through, I'm thinking, okay, I, at first, actually, it's funny. I, I, I almost went to Return of the Living Dead, but it's like, oh, <laughs> A, I could see Jason doing it, and B, 
I'm pretty confident I made Return of the Living Dead to a pick a long time ago, hence the screwdriver thing and why you remembered yep. it. <laughs> yep. So I went, okay, let's go a different direction. And then I was like, okay, Toby Hooper. I was like, okay, he's got plenty of movies. And then as I'm going through, I'm like, yeah, again, some of these are pretty, I got Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one or two. I mean, there's several. But then I remembered this movie. And I was like, even if I made it a pick, I don't care. Because I remember loving it and it's a horror anthology. So let's go with it. Body Bags from 1993. That ring a bell? Uh, I think you have picked it, but I think it's been a long time. It may time. have been like the first Spooky Flicks Fest first for all season. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, first year. Yeah. So, actually, yeah, might have actually been the first uh, Spooky Flicks Fest, I think. That or it was when, when did we do uh, Tales from the Hood? Was that the second one? I think it was the second one. I don't one. remember. I think it might have been the second one. So if it was the second one, it may have been even connected to that. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, or, or, or you actually could have been the first one too, or whichever one we did Halloween, because I may have done it because of John Carpenter, because it is called John Carpenter's Body Bag. So, pray tell, why would you pick it if it's this supposed to be a connection to Toby Hooper? Well, <laughs> funny you should ask, because Toby Hooper directed one segment in said anthology. John Carpenter actually himself hosts it as this coroner, this kind of creepy uh, crypt keeper esque. Which is sort of really? fitting, which is sort of fitting, uh, coroner yeah. type character, morgue attendant. I don't know, and he's telling you these stories. It's got this <laughs> EC Comics vibe to it, though not quite yeah. as. Oh, it's wacky in parts, as I remember, but it's not as quite as over the top as say a Tales from the Crypt. It's in that vein, though. And there are three wow. stories. There's the wraparound story with Carpenter himself, but not playing himself. He's playing this character. Yep. And he does a pretty good job. I mean, as I remember, he's like you'd think a da- director. He's not an actor, but. He's not bad. And then there's three segments. The first one deals with a gas station attendant. And I'm literally, I can, here's, here's the Imdaba re- breakdown, which is nothing. Three short story, three short stories in the horror genre. The first about a serial killer. The second about a hair transplant got wrong. The third about a baseball player. Wow. <laughs> now, if I'm not mistaken, the third about the baseball player actually has to do with an eye like an eye gets an eye transplant and there's something going on. That's the one Toby Hooper directed. It's funny. I remember almost nothing about that one. And that's the one I believe that starred Mark Hamill. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I do recall that was, I believe, the goriest of the three. Yeah. Carpenter directed the other two. And again, my memory, the gas station attendant involving the serial killer one, I think is the first one. And I think that was the best one. And to give you an idea how long it's been since I saw this, it may have opened very limited release, but it pretty much was a straight to video deal. And yeah. I remember, I won't say quite how, but I had a connection at a video store that was able to, when they get the screeners before they would purchase, you would get like yeah. a screener and at the bottom, I don't know if you ever saw those, but at the bottom, it would say, this is for screening purposes only. If you've oh, got yes. a copy, call this number. Yeah. Right. Like I'm going to call you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, but that's how I saw it. It hadn't even been, you know, it was like a screener copy for a video store. Yeah. So and I remember just loving it. think it was fantastic. So, And I honestly don't know that I've seen, I may have seen one of the segments since then. So it's been 20-ish years since I've seen it. Okay. But it made enough of an impression, specifically the gas station part. And the fact that Mark Hamill is in it and John Carpenter as the Crypt Keeper type guy, the host, that I'm going to recommend it. I'm going to say, go get yourself some body bags. I think it's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. I don't know that it's on any other streaming service, but I'm pretty sure the full movie is on YouTube. I'll have to make a note. I I don't think I've seen it. I, I think mean, you'd I, like it. I think you. I think it. you and I have talked about it because yeah. it's got a bunch of famous people in it that yeah. are, are you know playing the segments. But yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it, so I'll put that on my list. And, and if the little thing I read on Imdaba is correct, 
right off the bat, I think this is cool. And it's something I obviously didn't remember or notice when I originally saw it, which was the scene, the segment at the beginning, the gas station one, they make a reference to the fact the gas station is right outside of Haddonfield, Illinois, which is where the where Halloween takes place. Uh-huh. So kind of a cool little, you know, connection there. So, so and yes. they said it was better than saying it was Castle Rock. Yeah, well, that they've done. If Stephen King had been involved, it would have been yeah, outside of Derry or Castle Rock or Bangor or something. So, Jason, is Maine really that scary? I don't think I want to go to Maine. Yeah, really... exactly. Yes, he, he's ruined Maine. Uh, probably the snow. I don't know if that helps Maine. That can't help. I'm Maine. I don't want to lose our Maine contingent. I'm sure Maine is a beautiful, beautiful state. It probably is. Yes. Probably is. We have to the two we, people that. Yeah, I was say coming from two people born born and raised in the the flaccid penis of the United States. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> Look at a map, people. Florida. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, Jason, anything you uh, want to wrap up with here? I, mean, I I guess I didn't technically even say yes. I love the freaking movie. I guess it goes without saying. Poltergeist. Uh, yes. I love. I don't think I actually technically said that. No, it's fantastic. Yes, it is fantastic. It's a fantastic movie. Yep. Uh, um, nope. Uh, you can check out the rest of our awesome spooky flicks fest stuff. As Joel has mentioned uh, before, there is something every single day. Uh, by now, you're uh, two weeks into it, so I hope you're enjoying it. You can find it all, all on ForgottenFlicks.com. That's flicks with an X. And you can also join us uh, on all of the social media outlets. I'd say we're most active on our Facebook group uh, and page, but uh, you can check us out there. Um, but again, primarily stick to uh, uh, the website. You'll see all of our cool stuff there. And well. I would like to say there still is time if you want to send some voicemail feedback for the final episode. And yep. at the at the very end of this, I'm going to play a piece of voicemail feedback we got from Tom, the fanboy, Jason. Oh. And oh. it was directly connected. I haven't gotten a call from him in a while. Yes, exactly. He sent something for the last episode, so I'll save that for that. But he also okay. gave us something for both Jaws and Poltergeist. And I just went ahead and decided to use it here. Nice. So... What we'll do, I'll play that, give you a quick second to react to it. But for anybody else, if you want to send feedback for our very final episode, the phone number is 206-736-7460. Long distance charges may apply, blah, blah, blah. What is it it again? One more time. uh, 206-736-7460. And it's also on the website, ForgottenFlix.com. So if you don't have something to write down just that's where it's at so if you'd like to leave the voicemail feedback we'll be taking that all the way up until probably the end of the close to the end of october because i think we're recording the last episode the last weekend of october wasn't that the game plan okay so yeah so as long as you by the time you're hearing this you basically got another week or so 10 days pushing that get to it yeah come on people otherwise just gonna listen to me and jason yak and that's basically (laughs) what the show usually is but still we like to have your voices involved. We actually have a, we have at least a couple other ones, so that's pretty good so far. Yes. All right. Well, I will play the the voicemail and uh, let you react to that, and then we will uh, we will uh, wrap this bad boy up. Beep. Hey, this is Tom the fanboy reporting in from out here in Oregon. Uh, I just wanted to comment on Jaws and Poltergeist. Both of these are movies that I would quote and I would see referenced a lot growing up, and I never actually watched them all the way through until college i would catch them on cable maybe but i knew they were edited and i really wanted to see the the really true nature of it uh poltergeist in particular the like they're here they're back sort of little lines from her 
um, always always struck me. I got to see Poltergeist 3, which was the worst of them for a lot of reasons. I'm sure you guys know. Um, I, I got to see that on HBO a lot, but they never played the first one. And, and I, I saw Poltergeist, loved it, blown away by it, made all my friends in college watch it again and again with me. And then years, years after that, like 10 years after that, I finally saw Poltergeist 2 because I was like, you know, I really, I really should really connect the, the two points of Poltergeist lore. But, uh, uh, Poltergeist 2, I could see they were still trying. I could see that they still had all the cast and they couldn't really keep up the awesomeness. And so that totally explained why Poltergeist 3 fell so flat. But uh, I'm, uh, there's a lot of other Poltergeist trivia I'm really hoping you get. Jaws, um, everything Jaws I know is uh, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith is influenced by Jaws a lot, so I probably know more about Jaws thanks to Kevin Smith than me watching it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to call back again for your last episode. Love you guys. Bye. Beep! We love you too, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i don't remember two or three actually i remember got- three was three the one with the the scary guy no that's two god, god is in his holy temple oh it was three with the native american guy where they no that's still the two that's still two <laughs> you I, I my guess is because i remember three it, count your blessings that you've had a, <laughs> some kind of ptsd blockage probably because it's awful is it really like you yeah. can't even I can't even come up with it. No, it's got Nancy Allen, Tom Skerritt in it. It's just. Yeah, I don't remember it. The at high, all. It's the high rise. I mean, the old guys in that one, too. But by Wait. then, the actor who played him, I think it passed away and they were trying. Just... Not the one where <sighs> I vaguely remember her at the window. Yeah. Of the high rise. Yeah. And then it basically it's Carol Ann's aunt and uncle. She's gone to live with them. So basically oh. the parents, I guess, had their fill. I don't even remember what the, the motivation was, why she was with the aunt and uncle. I, think, I don't remember if her parents had, I don't think they had died. I'm trying to remember why she ended up with them. I don't remember what the reasoning was. I don't yeah. care. It was awful. Two, I actually have fond memories of for some reason. Two's the one where Steve Freeling gets drunk on the tequila and the worm. Remember yes, he bars it up worm. and it's like this kind of yeah. creepy HR Geiger thing that, ah. Uh, Creepy, creepy. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was two? Yeah, it was two. Yep. All my memories. And maybe I haven't seen all of three. Good. Yet, again. So. Good. Good. Stay, stay, <laughs> stay, stay clean. <laughs> I'll thank you, Tom, yeah. uh, for keeping me away from that mm-hmm, one. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Tom, for that feedback. And uh, we, like I said, we have his other piece that we will play in the final episode. Along Sweet. With, along with whatever else we get. So, uh, Jason, on that note, do you have any final, final, final words? Mosquito ever suck on you, son? I don't know, Dad. They're here.